This week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows when Wichita falls, so falls Wichita Falls. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. Uh, So, as we survive through Snowmageddon, um, I don't know, did you get hit hard again? Because, like, I know you're a little bit west of me. But I feel like I'm shoveling snow every 10 minutes. <laughs> um, no, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, since we last recorded, I haven't been hit hard, but it has been like every couple nights, it feels like there's two or three more inches. So it's just more shoveling, which isn't fun. But right. I mean, it's good to get some exercise during the winter, I guess, is how I like to look at it. But uh, well, how about I, you? Has it been really crazy? Like I said, I feel like I'm shoveling snow every 10 minutes. And it's really hard <laughs> for me. To, it's really hard to complain because I know what I can imagine what uh, uh, Texas is going through right now. It's a state that's not often dealing with weather like this and they're not prepared for it and they don't know how to handle it. Um, Here in Chicago, we know how to handle it. It's more of a nuisance than anything. Uh, So I feel for those people in Texas. um, But I just I feel like I'm shoveling every 10 minutes. It's crazy. And I wake up and I'm like, oh, here we go again. And I throw on the snow boots and go back outside. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's, uh, definitely not fun. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm getting real tired of shoveling my sidewalk. So, um, yeah, there's that, too. Um, anyway, let's talk about fun stuff. Let's talk about things we like. Um, Definitely. So what did we watch? What did we read? Okay, so, yeah, so the last couple of weeks I've been talking a lot about The Sinner, uh, season three on Netflix. Um, I finished watching that, and I was actually kind of really disappointed with this season. Uh, last week I was talking about how this season had a much different vibe than the first two seasons. Like, it's structured completely different, you know, because the first two seasons you're kind of watching till the very last episode, And you're just waiting to get those answers for like, what's the reason for this uh, mystery that's going on and what's going to happen. And uh, this season was completely different where it's by, you know, episode three ish. You kind of know everything that's going on and then they're just kind of letting the story play out. Uh, You're kind of watching the characters trying to uh, hunt down the suspect for the murder. And there's a lot of drama and stuff, but Overall, this season was kind of just not what I wanted or expected, and it ends on a really weird note. And um, it's kind of sad because the first season of of The Sinner, I highly recommend. Like, I think it's like a 10 out of 10 sort of TV show. Like, it's really, really good. And the second season is pretty good. It's still high up there. It's like 8 out of 10. There's a couple iffy moments, but overall, it's still a good watch. And this season, I feel like you know, is 
like a five or six out of 10 watch. I, I, I feel bad saying it, but I was just overall, I wasn't as happy with this show as I thought. <laughs> um, I didn't know if I know you haven't watched it at all, Drew, so I can leave it there um, unless you have any other questions or I can move into uh, the one other thing I had a chance to watch this week. Um, I don't have any other questions on it because you've been talking heavily about it for a while. Uh, the only yeah. thing I thought was you know, it's it's one of those things where like, yeah, you've been talking heavily about it, um, but then you have uh, how do how do I want to wear this? Uh, you, you've definitely got my interest to watch the, at least the first season. But you're describing what happened to me with the uh, show True Detective on HBO, where the first season was amazing, and then the second season, I was like, what the heck happened to the show? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. I have I haven't watched True Detective, but I've heard similar things, and it probably is a really similar situation and um yeah i think that with the sinner it is like definitely watch the first season when you get the chance because it is the first season is like just really amazing television and then if you love the first season definitely check the second season out at this point i feel like the third season's kind of take it or leave it <laughs> with that being said <laughs> if they make a fourth season i'm probably going to be watching it like i know i am because it's one of those sure. things like well i've already watched the first three seasons i must i might as well keep keep up with this um the other thing i wanted to mention is i had a chance to watch the movie freaky which i know we've talked about our anticipation for this movie on the that show for, a little bit for a while what do you think uh it's awesome you haven't you haven't seen it uh, Not, yet, right? Yeah, right. That's, that's on my list. And that's actually something I was meaning to do this weekend and the weekend got away from me. So, yeah, uh, well, I, I will say it is at Redbox. So it only cost me like a dollar seventy five or whatever to watch. Yeah. But um, this movie is it's obviously like a horror movie version of Freaky Friday. Um, yeah. And to be honest, that's exactly what it feels like. Um, the movie isn't very scary. Like, I feel like if you're if horror movies scare you, I feel like this might be the movie for you because it's more just like a fun, ridiculous movie that happens to have a lot of gore. So it it's definitely gory. So definitely watch out for that. But it doesn't have like very many jump scares at all. It doesn't have a lot of sort of like slow, scary, suspenseful scenes. It's kind of just like this zany, like action comedy if you will, but it just has a lot of those really gory horror elements. Um, I don't want to say too much because uh, obviously you you're really looking forward to this one, um, but it is it does have that sort of I know it's the same director or writer or something as uh, Happy Death Day. And yeah. uh, it definitely has a similar vibe where it's just like a really fun, over the top, good time. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, the best part of this movie is Vince Vaughn, who plays the villain, and uh, I don't know the actress's name, but the main character girl, uh, the two of them who switch bodies, their performances in this movie is just really, really awesome. And it's and it's a treat to watch because they so convincing, convincingly portray the other characters. And, you know, Vince Vaughn, he's like this. I think he's got to be like six four six five at least in height yeah. <laughs> like he's this huge like middle-aged man and watching him run around acting like a teenage girl is just like the funniest thing ever so uh i really look forward to you seeing this one i just thought this movie was a great time overall it's not 
you know, it's not going to win any Oscars or anything, but it was just like a really fun time to watch. Um, other than that, the, the I did. Girl is, the girl is Catherine Newton. She played uh, Abigail on um, Big Little Lies, the oldest daughter of uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Did she? I, I guess I don't. Like, I, I, I really enjoyed that first season of Big Little Lies, but I couldn't remember her in there. I always think of her because she's in uh, she's in the movie Blockers. So that's kind of what yeah. my brain goes yeah. to anytime I see she's her also, in something. But she's also the older daughter in uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Ebbing, um, uh, Missouri. I almost said Minnesota. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw Three Billboards, but that movie was good. That was movie was really good, too. So. I, I haven't, but I, I hear good things. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I did watch WandaVision, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. And I did watch two of the big trailers that come, came out this week. I don't know if any other ones did. And so, I don't know if we'll be talking about those later on. We're going to be talking about that's a really good segue into my watching category because I watched two of the three big trailers. Um, there were three big trailers and well, two big trailers, in my opinion, and one mediocre trailer. And um I watched the two big ones and uh, I watched WandaVision. That's all I got in this week. <laughs> okay, um, nice. <laughs> I have a I have a writing project on my lap right now. Um, and uh, I can talk more about that as I flush it out uh, later. But I have a writing. I have an actual writing project on my lap. So I've been kind of hard in front of the keyboard lately. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, that being said, uh, let's talk about WandaVision real quick. I don't have too much to say about this episode other than, wow, are they really kind of expanding not only Wanda's powers, um, but we're seeing effects where she's losing control of spaces. It's kind of like um, where she said, don't go to that. I, I don't remember the name of the street, but she's like, don't go there when she told the kids to stay away from that one street. And then when you yes. see vision, when you see vision, movie vision, by the way, pre uh, pre snapping vision. Um, get he starts getting into that area, and it's like she doesn't. Ha it's almost like she doesn't have control out of that space. Like her powers are like she still has control, but not enough control. Yeah. And then she becomes enraged when she finds out Vision's going to die again, and then she expands it. And you're just like, you know what I mean? Like the way that happened, I was like, wow, okay, she's clearly growing in her power. Um. And now Darcy's on the inside, so that's going to be interesting to see how that character plays out. Um, and then uh, something came up on another podcast I was listening to, and it really made me wonder what we could see at the end of this season. Um, for example, being the fact that Vision died in Infinity War. So coming back now, he doesn't know because he's being brought back against his will. Um, and when I say will, he's being brought back against his living will. He had a thing like it was in like he had a living will saying, if I ever die, don't ever try and bring me back because he's AI. He knows he's tech part robot. So technically they could just resurrect him. And it was part of his living will with Tony Stark. Don't bring me back. It's in it's all in dialogue. This is a character that died in Infinity War. He was brought back by Wanda for whatever purpose she has going there. But he doesn't know Tony Stark is dead. Mm -hmm. So his creator, his maker, he doesn't know his makers no longer alive. So 
what could happen. And I'm this is all going to this other podcast in terms of credit for putting this into my brain, but it made the wheels start spinning. What happens when Vision finds out about Tony Stark's actual fate? Also, could we possibly see a Robert Downey Jr. cameo at the end of this season as their like big Luke Skywalker moment, if you will, at the end of this season? That would be crazy, but very interesting. I didn't even think of um, a lot of those angles, but yeah, that's a, some really cool, uh, I guess, hypotheticals to think about at this right. point. And I loved the 90s costumes. I loved seeing them in the original X-Men costumes. That yes. made me laugh. That made me laugh and so happy just to see them in the original gear. But other than that, um, go ahead. What do you got? Oh, I mean, I mean, you kind of uh, attacked a lot of the plot points there, which is really good. Um, the the only things I'd like to add is when uh, Vision was sort of exploring the outskirts of the town and people were starting to be a lot less um, coherent, if you will, or, you know, they weren't functioning like actual humans and stuff. I thought that was just a real those there were some really cool, eerie moments of that part. And it made me think like. What if we got this show, but it was from Vision's uh, perspective, because he would be even more clueless than Wanda about things. And it almost be like this weird Truman show, Twilight Zone thing as like Vision figured out the truth of what was going on. And that that could be a really cool thing. But it's kind of cool that in this past episode, we got some moments that had that uh, that feeling. Um, and then otherwise, the only th other thing I'd say is I really appreciated the Mal Malcolm in the middle vibes in this episode. Um, I remember at the beginning of the episode when they the theme song first started going and I was kind of confused because I was like, what is this supposed to be? And the theme song was kind of uh, like kind of punky, I guess. And I was like, what sitcom has a theme song like this? And it wasn't until they, like the first actual sitcom scene that I was like, oh, of course, this is Malcolm in the Middle. Perfect. Like you could just tell immediately from the way the episode was shot. Like, oh, OK, yeah, this is Malcolm in the Middle. Awesome. Um, and I've even seen a meme where they took the characters of the show Malcolm in the Middle and they photoshopped the uh, the X-Men like Halloween costumes on them. And that was pretty awesome as well. But um, yeah, otherwise I don't Oh, what we're going to say. No, the Malcolm in the middle threw me off too. I was literally like when the episode started, I was like, what movie is this? What, what show is this? <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, I got it. Like as soon yeah. as you saw the first opening bit, you're like, yep, I got it. Yeah, absolutely. And then the theme song made sense as well. You're like, okay, yeah. The Malcolm in the middle theme song was like that as well. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good episode. The show keeps getting better, but uh, yeah, not too much to say other than what we've already said at this point yes. about it. All right. So let's talk about the two. So the three trailers, uh, the one that I did not watch is the Cruella trailer. I don't know if you saw that. I did watch the Cruella trailer. Oh, so you watched two. You said you watched two of the big ones. Yeah, I'm trying to. So I watched Cruella Mortal Kombat and I want to know what the third one is. What what did I miss? Oh, wait, is this Snyder cut? Is this where we're going? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> OK, so Snyder Cut, it's kind of funny because that came out last weekend and it just feels like it's crazy the world we live in and how much stuff goes on. And it feels like it's been a week since I've seen that, which I guess it almost has. So that wasn't at the top well, of my head. But what's yeah, I've, I've watched all three. <laughs> we turned off the microphones and then the Snyder Cut released uh, Sunday. So we turned off the microphones and then it was suddenly Valentine's Day and the Snyder Cut released on Valentine's Day. So, Absolutely. Uh, 
you know, the, or the Snyder Cut, not the Snyder Cut trailer, not the Snyder Cut. I haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> um, uh, we'll get to the, I'm going to save the Snyder Cut uh, trailer for last because I think that's the one we're going to have the most to say on. Uh, I did not watch Cruella. What did you think of Cruella? Um, well, I've mentioned before that I'm kind of uh, wishy-washy on the uh, Disney live action films. You know, some of them I like a lot. Like I've mentioned a ton of times that I love that Pete's Dragon film, but a lot of them are kind of kind of mad to me, I guess. But this movie overall, it looks really good. I think um, Emma Stone as Cruella DeVille is going to be this sort of giant pop culture phenomenon. Um, I've seen people on Twitter say that she's going to be the Joker to uh, the little girls of the world. And I think that's absolutely true. I think we're going to go to whenever we're able to have conventions again, there's going to be tons of Cruella cosplays all over the place. Um, That being said, I don't know if this movie is for me. Like, I think it looks pretty interesting. I like the direction they're going. It's a cool, like villain origin story, but I'm also like, I don't care a ton about Cruella. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm left is like, it looks good, but I'm not the target demographic and that's okay. Um, but overall it does look like it's going to be a cool origin story. And I can say that the trailer did look really good from a cinematography standpoint, like the sets and the way that the scenes were shot and stuff all looked gorgeous. So that's another element to be excited about. Um, I don't know if I have, Oh, what were you going to say? I I didn't watch the trailer, but still, you can't avoid certain things sometimes on the Internet. So the still images all looked amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's and that, you know, well, it's it's funny that uh, how you said you can't avoid it, because I actually wasn't even super interested in the trailer. But every time I went, went online, people were talking about it. And it was one of those things where like, all right, I guess I need to watch this. So that's kind of what led me to watch it. But I don't know if you have any questions about it or if you want to move into the next uh, thing. Uh, well, the next one is uh, Mortal Kombat. Yes. You watch that one. All right. You um, you tell me what you think first. Um, I loved this trailer. Um this <laughs> it's hard to know where to begin, but if I if I just judge it by the visuals, because that's mostly what we got is a lot of uh, crazy fight scenes. And we got to see a lot of uh, costumes and sets and stuff. And overall, just we everything, got to see a couple of fatalities, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say everything so far looks just so spot on. Um, you can tell with the fight scenes, there's just going to be some really cool conceptual stuff. Like I think my favorite bits of the trailer were the parts with uh, sub zero when he like, you know, at the beginning when he's about to get shot and he freezes the gun as well as, and you know, the ice comes out and freezes the bullet. So he isn't shot. Like that's such a cool concept. Uh, there's another part of the trailer where I can't remember who he's fighting, but he freezes like he cuts some guy gets cut and then he freezes the person's blood into a dagger and then stabs mm-hmm. the person. And I'm like, this is just as far as this conceptual fight choreography, this is just so cool. And this is exactly the kind of creative gore that I want to see in a Mortal Kombat trailer. So it's, I'm just pumped the, about this one. It's it's one of those things where it's the Mortal Kombat movie we deserve at this point. You know what I Absolutely, mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, Molina looked amazing. Um, and you got a real clip, quick glimpse of her mouth. 
and you're just like, wow, that looks amazing. <laughs> like, because what, what yeah. people understand is you have this like really attractive girl with this mask over her face. When she takes the mask off, her mouth is like this crazy, like demon like mouth. So like, yeah. it's part of her character backstory and everything. If you don't know the Mortal Kombat lore. Uh, so when she like you got you got a real clip, get, quick glimpse of her looked fantastic. Um, otherwise, everything else looked great. I don't know if you've been seeing all the character posters on the Internet. My f- social media feeds have been flooded with them. Uh, they all look <laughs> great. Um, my I, con- I, I honestly haven't been paying close attention. This trailer kind of showed up out of nowhere for me. And I'm like, this looks badass. Let's go. This is awesome. Sort of um, thing, so. My concern is that I watched the original Mortal Kombat movie and then last year they released the animated film uh the scorpion animated movie the origin yeah i remember you talking about which aside from the origin of scorpion it was essentially the exact same story as the original live action film my concern is that they're going to reboot and it'll be the exact same story again um just way cooler and the way it should have been originally so um my only concern is that I'm sitting through it a third for a third. <laughs> um, I think that's a really legitimate concern. And I feel like there's a high likelihood that that's what we will get. But I honestly don't care because I just think this looks great. <laughs> so I, know. I understand your concern. Personally, I would be fine if it's the exact same film because I'm just loving every bit I've seen. Um, yeah, I actually shared the trailer with um, some friends of mine um, in this sort of discord group we have. And uh, some of my friends were uh, complaining about some of the lines of dialogue saying they're corny and stuff. And I was just like, I had so much fun watching this trailer. I didn't care or even notice a lot of the stuff you guys are complaining about. So I just think this. <laughs> It looks like a big, fun, gory, um, just popcorn flick at this point, which I'm totally okay with. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to bring up, you were bringing up Molina's uh, mouth, which I actually don't know if I caught that, so I need to watch the trailer again. But, it's, it's quick. Um, she, like, licks, like, she's got, like, her sigh or whatever blade she's holding in her hand. And oh, she, like, I do remember that. She, yeah. Like, her jaw opens, and she licks the blade, and you're just, and I'm like, oh, that looks good. Like, well, just, because you get to see her mouth the way it should be, so. The end of this trailer was almost like a strobe light of just images from the movie of like any character they didn't show yet in the trailer. They're just going to really quick flash shots of different characters. So I did see that. But at that point in the trailer, you're just on information overload. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, I was going to say during that sequence, though, at the end where they're just showing shots of different characters. I could be wrong, but it looked like they had a shot of a reptile in there, and uh, that got me pretty excited. Um, I can say that he looks better than the reptile from the original Mortal Kombat movie, from what I've seen. And uh, reptiles, def- I think he's my favorite out of the ninjas in Mortal Kombat, so I'm super oh, really? excited for that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I always go for the monstrous sort of characters. It's, no, <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Uh, Scorpion was. When I played the game, Scorpion is always my go to character. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm just I'm excited to see how that all play that character plays out. And what I got from the trailer. Holy crap. I'm just I'm just excited. So um, really glad I have HBO Max right now. Can't wait. Um, All right. Let's talk about the big one, the Snyder Cut, which is going to roll set, which is going to segue us perfectly into news. Um, Nice. So Snyder Cut trailer released. um, It's 
gorgeous. Um, absolutely. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, there is definitely some sequences we've seen because remember, you got to understand that about 10% of this movie we've already seen from the original, from the Whedon cut. Um, so we're going to see some repeat sequences, but the fact that the movie's four hours long and in some of the shots they showed in the trailer, it wasn't all new. It made me go, what are they hiding? And it made me even more excited. Um, the one thing I want to point out is that the biggest takeaway from this trailer is man of steel, Batman versus Superman, the Snyder cut or or Zack Snyder's justice league film. We have a clear and cohesive Superman trilogy. Yeah. Um, sure. And that's one of the biggest takeaways I want to like point out from that, um, because it, that, I just think that's really, really important um, because it was designed to be that. And then it kind of wasn't when you got to the weed and cut version, um, the sequence at the end with Batman and the Joker. Now, I wonder if the Joker is only going to be seen in the nightmare sequence, because we clearly Batman's clearly going to have another nightmare sequence in this movie. I wonder yeah. if it's going to be um, if that's the only place we're going to see the Joker. But that line, holy cow, I love that bit when he says uh, we live in a society where honor and is a distant memory. Isn't that right, Batman? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, dude, it's just that whole see that whole bit at the end. It gave me chills. Um, and and the fact that he said we live in a, in a society is like such a. I don't know. It's so funny because that's like the Joker meme. Like we live in a society and the fact that Zack Snyder put that in there is just like, it's so cool because it's, I don't know if Zack Snyder is always that blatant, but he does have like, I don't know if you go into like the movie sucker punch and some of the sort of uh, hidden meanings of that movie that not a lot of people notice. There's actually kind of a big commentary on like nerd culture and video game culture in there and stuff. And I kind of like this like sort of really blatant, like using a meme to deliver that line, but it's still just really badass. Um, And I, I do feel like at that scene, Joker is going to, he's going to, I feel like we're going to get the Joker we deserved from uh, Suicide Squad and uh, possibly the Joker that David Ayer wanted to give us, but he wasn't able to because of the studio or whatnot. But I think even if he's only in that scene, I'm really excited for it. I think it looks like it's just going to be a cool scene overall. Right. Um, I also want to point out there's a shot of Steppenwolf kneeling down in front of Darkseid on a yes. And if you look real closely... There's a shot of three figures uh, left to right. I believe that's the sod. It'd be the only guess that that's who that is with dark side in the middle. And then there's a figure holding a staff on the right of the screen. Um, I'm assuming that's granny goodness. I'm not 100 percent sure that would be. Yeah, that's that's kind of what everybody is. That's the same chatter that I've that I've seen is that it's going to be granny goodness, which is um, pretty exciting as well. I mean, I don't know who else it would live in at this point, but we live in a world where granny goodness is going to be on the big screen. (laughs) Yeah, you are excited about Perry parademons, but we've got what granny goodness means is that there's a chance that we might see some of the other new gods in there as well, which that's awesome. Um, and over the years, the new gods have become cooler and cooler to me. Like I've just been enjoying that story more and more. Um, 
the uh, just overall, this movie looks great. I cannot wait. We're we're little under a month away. Um, we're actually like as we record this, we're exactly a month away. So this episode will drop and we'll only have a couple weeks left to go. Um, so we are literally oh, so crazy. At the time of this recording, we are one month away from the Snyder. Do you know, um, does it uh, drop in theaters the same weekend as HBO Max? It does. Um, cause, cause I was thinking I haven't been to the theaters since COVID, but I almost want to actually go out and see this one in theaters. Like this is the one movie that's really made me go like, Hmm, I really want to do this. You know what I mean? And I'm going to agree with you a hundred percent. But the one thing I have concerned about is that it's a four hour movie. Um, I, (laughs) I risked dehydration to go see Avengers Endgame. So um, because I didn't want to have to get up, um, it's a four hour cut. So you're sitting there for a whole nother like hour longer than Avengers Endgame. So so um, my thoughts on that is you're going to have to go to the bathroom. There's going to be parts of scenes like one or two scenes, you know, that you're going to miss. But you can just go home and watch it on HBO Max you know and catch anything you missed. You know what I mean? <laughs> you said it right there. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> Go during one of the weed and cut scenes and go. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of the weed and cut, though, since you were talking about scenes we've already viewed that were in this trailer, the thing is, I kind of felt like this is the trailer that I wanted from the very beginning. Like, this is, it feels like this is the movie that I wanted, what, going on four years ago at, at this point? This is the trailer I wanted to see, and this is the movie that I wanted. And, uh, it's kind of just like I'm at this point where I'm just like erasing the weed and cut from my brain. And I'm just really excited for this new version we're going to get. So um, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> erasing the weed and cut from my brain is the key word there. <laughs> um, the uh, So, yeah. So the Snyder Cut trailer is amazing. Everyone should go watch it because it's awesome. And could you dude? Here's the thing. Can you imagine being a studio that has not had to market this at all? Because the release the Snyder Cut movement has done all of your marketing. Yeah, good good point. <laughs> like they literally, could you imagine not having to market the biggest movie of the year? Um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, all right, let's jump into news. This is real quick because we don't have a lot of news. Um, okay. Since we're talking about DC, there are rumors, and I don't remember. I think I mentioned this that Henry Cavill is rumored to be in the Shazam sequel. Um, I think I mentioned it a couple. We might have talked about this. Oh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, maybe we did. But it was kind I, of a small story. There was a small story. Rumor Henry Cavill is reported to play Superman and um, uh, Shazam. Uh, despite rumors, Henry Cavill will not return as Superman in Shazam Fury of the Gods. <laughs> so, uh, sounds about right. <laughs> uh, so that's the Internet giving us a rumor. That's a perfect example of how that works. Um, <laughs> also, um also, on the DC front, um, HBO Max Green Lantern TV series um, is to be set to begin filming in April. Uh, April 12th will be the beginning, uh, will actually be the start date. Um, that's awesome. And I only say that's awesome because, first off, you know I'm a Green Lantern fan. Secondly, we haven't heard much on the Green Lantern front, and I almost forgot that movie, which that show was coming. Yeah, uh, and this is going to be live action, right? Yes, it is. Well, there, there you go. I mean... 
whether you like or hate the uh, Green Lantern movie, let's hope this is the show that, you know, we've always wanted about Green Lantern. And the best thing about TV shows is it's a lot more content than a two hour movie, you know, so that's really exciting. I know. You know, it also isn't more content than a two hour movie, a four hour movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Speaking of content um, and wanting more of something, do you remember the uh, board game Clue? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> it made my short list when we did a board game episode. Actually, I love Clue. Yeah. All right. So uh, soon we're going to be getting even more Clue goodness. Uh, the game Clue will be adapted into an animated series, and the project is going to be coming from Fox Entertainment. Um, the project, come, uh, which will be developed with the series uh, with Hasbro Content, uh, Studio Entertainment, and uh, the one Bento Box Entertainment. Um, the thing is, is because it's going to be through Fox entertainment, it might be a Disney plus show. Um, makes I, sense. I don't know though. Otherwise it'll probably be in the Fox cartoons if they go for the adult, uh, list. Um, all right. And I got one more news story for you. All right. Um, and this is a science one because I'm excited. Um, perseverance, uh, the new NASA Rover has landed on Mars today. Yeah, I did see this. Yeah, so uh, Perseverance, um, after traveling more than 292.5 million miles from Earth, the rover will reach the red planet um, on February 18th. NASA's most sophisticated rover yet, Perseverance, which launched on July 30th of 2020, will explore the planet looking for ancient signs of life and collecting rock samples to bring back to Earth. Uh, specifically, it will explore the area of Jezero Crater, uh, the rover's landing site, once the site of an ancient river uh, of ancient river delta. Um, That's that, cool because they might find like fossils and stuff as well, which is I know. interesting. Um, Perseverance will roam Mars uh, for one Martian year, which is slightly longer than two Earth years. Uh, the rover has seen instruments to assist with mission objectives. This includes. Um, Ingenuity, a helicopter making the first ever controlled flight on another planet. Uh, the Mars 2020 mission is momentous. Uh, NASA believes it is a technolo technological success that could have major implications. It would mean great strides for the potential future humans, human missions to both Mars and the moon. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up that we landed something else on Mars today. Um, awesome. Yeah, that's that is really awesome. Um, one thing I was going to say is uh, I have a friend who is posting about this online and they had the weirdest complaint because there's that. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the first uh, image that this rover took, but there's that uh, picture of the surface of Mars that I've seen going around social media a ton. And uh, my friend <laughs> posted it and was like, this is the best camera they could get. <laughs> which I thought was just a really weird but funny complaint that he would he thought the picture quality wasn't good oh, sure. enough for this Mars rover. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I just that that kind of got me excited. I kind of wish I was um like not working and actually could have watched uh how it all went down, but that's fine. Um Yeah, that's yeah, good point. Um I would have loved to actually watch the landing, but that's okay. Um Anyway, uh, that's it for the news, man. You want to talk the list tonight? Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, um, in that case, Ryan, it is list time. So do me a favor, man, and roll the thing. 
top five. All right, and we're back. So, Peter, this was your pick. Uh, so why don't you explain why we're doing this year specifically? Yeah, so uh, this week we are doing our top five favorite movies from the year 2005. And um, it's basically, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Drew did the year that he graduated high school. And uh, this is the year that I <laughs> I graduated high school. So there's not too much uh, more than that into this, but uh this was a good year for movies, I think, definitely, um, especially while compiling. Yeah, while compiling my list, I feel like most of my picks we've already talked extensively about. So this might be a shorter list than normal. But uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts on 2005, Drew, or did you just uh, want to jump aside, in? Aside from several of these that we don't need to talk about that made my list because <laughs> we talked extensively, um, I yeah. do have a couple takeaways specifically to uh, point out. But yeah, no. Um, uh, yeah, we could jump right into it. Um, let me put it to you this way. So in 2005, uh, the best picture winner was Crash. Um, I was not a big fan of this movie, but that's what the best picture winner was that year. And then in 2005, I watched of those movies, 113 of the films in 2005. Wow. I um, I watched 51, actually, which is which is less movies than I thought, um, which is kind of funny because I think at this point um, I was starting to get really selective about movies like I wasn't at a point in my life where I was watching just anything. I was only watching things that I thought looked good. Um, and with that being said, you know, it was my senior year of high school, so I was at the theater every weekend, but I was just really selective about those movies, I think, and uh, probably even more so than I am today. I think I've cooled off a little bit and am more open-minded to some of the sort of uh, <laughs> B-movies B and stuff like that. But um, I do have two honorable mentions. Uh, how about so you? So do I. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess I got to go first. Don't I? OK, so the uh, first honorable mention on my list is the movie uh, Into the Blue. Um, I've talked nice. about the movie a little bit. Um, uh, this is basically uh, Jessica Alba and Paul Walker are ocean treasure hunting. Um, the movie ultimately is not the greatest. But it's a guilty pleasure for me. I really, for some reason, enjoyed this movie. And it's one that I could probably watch several times over and over again. And it's just kind of. I just think it's a fun movie and I really like the underwater stuff. I like the stuff with the sharks in the movie. I like the stuff with the treasure hunting in the movie. And like, there's, just, there's a lot to it that I really enjoyed. So um, and I thought the cast was really good. So it's just one that hung with me. It's more of a guilty pleasure as opposed to anything else in the realm of um, how we usually do these lists. So, yeah. Awesome. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> but, All right. But awesome. Um, so my first uh, honorable mention is Wedding Crashers. Um, yeah. And this is a movie that I... I actually didn't think it looked good before I saw it. I kind of thought it looked like a dumb comedy movie, but I had a group of friends who forced me to go watch it with them and I ended up loving it. I thought the movie was hilarious. I just think it's overall, it's just a really good comedy and I think it stood the test of time in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know if I have too much else to say about that. I was just pleasantly surprised and the movie's just really funny and it's just a good movie overall. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I, <laughs> um, I really, really, um, liked, uh, wedding crashers a lot again. Like you, I didn't know. I, I kind of went to that movie with like 
like because everyone was kind of talking it up kind of thing. So I kind of went yeah. in trying to not be too excited. Um, and I ended up really liking it. And the more I watch it, the funnier the movie gets. Even when it's like on TV, I'll throw it on just because I'm like, oh, hey, it's on for background noise and stuff. The movie's great. And there's some really great um, there's some really great scenes um, in the movie uh, that really make me laugh. Like the scenes <laughs> in the like with Will Ferrell's bit in the uh, um no, I'm sorry. I, I totally confused the movie with the internship. I was about to bring up another because it's the same guys. I literally was about to, <laughs> I was literally about to confuse it with the internship. Uh, but no, the scene with Will Ferrell at the end when uh, you get to finally meet Chaz. Um, Absolutely. Um, God, I just I love that scene. Mom, get us a meatloaf. <laughs> I don't um, know what she's doing back there. Um, <laughs> the the uh, the other character I love from Wedding Crashers is. Um, do you remember the character Todd? Who's like Rachel McAdams' younger brother, I yeah. believe, the weird art artist guy. <laughs> so I went to uh, art school, and that was sort of my freshman year of college. That was a big running gag, is like figuring out like which one of our classmates is Todd, sort of thing. And it was just like a really funny <laughs> sort of running joke. Um, but yeah, Wedding Crashers. Um, I don't know if you have more to say or if you want to move into your next pick. Uh, wedding Crashers. Um, no, everyone should see it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just it's one of those movies where Vince Vaughn basically gets to be Vince Vaughn and just kind of roll with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But speaking of Vince Vaughn, um, he uh, then that goes into my next honorable mention, which is um, the movie Be Cool. Um, I don't know. Have you ever seen this? No, I've never seen this. One. OK, so a, a lot of pe- just about everyone saw the movie Get Shorty. Uh, where John Travolta's, uh, he's like a mafia hitman and he um, wants to, has an idea for a movie. So he goes to Hollywood and pitches the idea for a movie. And at the end of it becomes a filmmaker himself. And now he's in the movie business. Um, this is basically the unofficial sequel to Get Shorty, where John Travolta, like he meets this girl who's got this crazy, like she's just a really good musician. So he's like, you should have an album. You should. And, and he like, helps her like and okay. he kind of he kind of breaks himself into the music business um and it's basically like behind the scenes music business stuff so there's a lot of celebrities in the movie playing themselves like Aerosmith is in the movie um playing himself and you know that's just an example so you get to see like kind of how like the music business works and it's really there's some really good scenes where like John Travolta's got her in the recording studio and she's recording this bit um, and he's like, isn't she great? She's got a great voice and everything. And the recording guy is like, yeah, but who is she? And John DeVolta is like, what are you talking about? He's like, who is she? He goes, anyone can sing. He's like, with auto-tune, mm-hmm. anyone can sing. But who is she? Like, what's her story? Where'd she come from? Like, if she's not like, like, and he points out a couple actress, uh, musical artists. And he's like, you know, he's like, people paid attention because that's who they are. Like, if she doesn't have that thing that makes her who she is, then, you know, it's not going to matter. Um, it was just a really interesting, like, there's some really cool dialogue in there about how industries like that work. Um, overall, the movie's really funny. If you liked Get Shorty and you liked the other Elmore Leonard stuff like um, Out of Sight and uh, The Big Bounce, it's it's another good movie in that realm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it actually sounds really awesome. I never knew what this movie was or anything about it, but the um... it's it did not get the best reviews. It kind of got eaten alive by the critics. But if you liked Get Shorty. And you like the other stuff that El- the Elmore Leonard movies, this is more Elmore Leonard. It's that style of film, that style of storytelling. So if you liked the other ones, 
you're going to like this one, basically. Um, and Vince Vaughn's in it, and he's hysterical. Um, the Rock is in it. The Rock. Oh, really? <laughs> the, this is when The Rock, this was when The Rock was younger, so he still had Harry, wasn't bald yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rock is like, he, he's like, he plays Vince Vaughn's like bodyguard in the movie. Okay. And, but he's gay and he like, doesn't want to be a bodyguard. He wants to be an actor. So he gets all excited when he sees John Travolta and he's like, Oh dude, I could probably get an audition through him. And he, he goes to audition for John Travolta and he does a scene from bring it on. Um, (laughs) and to watch the rock do a scene from bring it on is so funny. Um, (laughs) so no, no, no. There's, like I said, there's some really great bits in the thing. So nice. Yeah. Anyway, so that's yeah, that's my <laughs> last honorable mention. I that's talked awesome. a little bit about it, but it's just everyone should see it. It's awesome. No, it sounds really cool, and it's definitely something I'll watch. Especially the um, I love the sort of fake it till you make it sort of plot, as well as the behind the scenes music industry stuff. Sounds really interesting too. So I'll definitely keep my eye out for that one. Um, moving into my final honorable mention, I have Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, so no. big surprise, I have another Harry Potter movie on one of my lists, but this movie is kind of a bit of a comfort movie for me because it's not, it's not the best Harry Potter movie in the series, but it's one of those ones that from sort of a visual and like action adventure standpoint, it's got a lot of just really good scenes. Um, it has the whole, um, Oh, man, what's it? The Goblet of Fire, the um, I can't. Oh, man, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of this. But the tournament that the uh, different wizarding schools are in just has so many awesome parts where there's the sort of weird like scuba race thing with the mermaids. And there's the awesome part with the dragon and then the whole like uh, moving hedge maze scene at the end. Like there's just a lot of great parts as well as the beginning where there's the whole um the uh, Quidditch World Cup, where that's just kind of a really cool setting for them to go to. Um, so I just I just really enjoy this one. This is a good Harry Potter movie to kind of put on for background noise. But you're also going to just see a lot of cool stuff. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention about this movie is that uh, when I was a freshman in college, I guess just since we're talking about this being my senior year or, you know, the year I graduated high school and kind of memories from that year. I once went with a group of friends to the midnight showing of this movie instead of studying for a math test. And, uh, I almost failed the math test the next day, but it was totally worth it. Cause I had a great time <laughs> going to see Harry Potter and the gob- goblet of fire. So there you go. <laughs> right. Um, this is the second one, right? No, this is uh, number four in the series. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. So yeah. I, on the list, I thought when I saw it, when I was Googling the movies that came out that year, I could have swore it was the second one. But um, the second one's uh, Chamber of Secrets. Oh, that's right. OK, I know I watched the four, I, I know the first three movies are the same movie three times. So I. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if you had. <laughs> yeah, the the first three movies are the same. Um, it's the, they're the same three movies basically. Yeah. Uh, so I that's probably why I got confused. Um, all right. So that brings me to my first actual pick of the night, right? Yes. Okay. So my first actual pick of the night is a movie called um, um, The Ice Harvest. Have you seen this? 
I don't know. I remember hearing a lot about this back in the day. I haven't heard the name the Ice Harvest in years, though. Um, so keep going, and I'll let you know if I um, have seen this or not. <laughs> so it's basically you got uh, John Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, they are they're trying to like steal a very large sum of money. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like one of those, like they're trying to steal it from like the mafia. Um, and it's kind of hard to explain because you're trying to figure out who's the good guy, who's the bad guy throughout the whole thing. But then while they're trying to do this like heist thing, it happens to be around the holidays. So they're trying to dodge their family members and people are like getting drunk in bars. I'm like, Hey, I haven't seen you. And you know, that kind of thing. And like they're, and you have like Oliver Platt who, is friends with John Cusack, but he's roped into this like plot somehow. And John Cusack's got to get him home and he gets him home and he's completely blitzed out of his mind, but it's not actually his house. It's his <laughs> ex-wife's house. So he like causes this big whole scene that John Cusack gets trapped in. Like it's a very serious, dark heist, like con man kind of movie, but mm-hmm. then throw in all these like funny moments that shouldn't be funny, but they really are. So it's like this crazy dark humor kind of thing. Um, the movie is, it's one of those movies that's really well shot and it's a really good script and you put a lot of like good actors and actresses behind it. Um, and it's, and it's a really fun movie and I really think it got underrated, very heavily underrated. So, um, yeah, it definitely one of my favorites of the year. So, um, yeah, it sounds hilarious and actually really cool. I have not seen this movie though. So I, I may have talked about it a long time ago on the show, but yeah, maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, what's your first actual pick. Yeah. So my first actual pick is uh, King Kong. And this is the Peter Jackson <laughs> King Kong that came out this year. This and made uh, my short list. Um, go ahead. This made my short list. Um, but yeah. So I just think this movie is an almost perfect, perfect adventure film. Like uh, the whole the expedition to Skull Island and uh, finding King Kong and uh, interacting with the natives, as well as all the sort of um, crazy, crazy animal species that were on the island. And just the whole movie was kind of just this really epic uh, at moments, gruesome, but just really cool uh, modern take on the story um, at the time. And I, I love this movie like the whole way through, except for one scene. And there's one, <laughs> one scene of the movie that I don't like that much. And that's is the part. The dinos- is it the dinosaur, uh, brontosaurus scene? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of vaguely remembering that, but that's not the scene I was thinking of. The that, scene I was thinking of is, Oh, keep going. The brontosaurus chase scene when like the dinosaurs. Oh yeah. Are, yeah. That scene in my opinion is the worst piece of CGI in the scene in the movie. Oh, um, okay. I see. What and, and that, and that's, and that scene, but every time I see the movie, I'm like that, that's the one scene I don't like. Cause it's the worst CG in the movie. Um, okay. But well, I, I get that scene mixed up a little bit with, I want to say there's a scene in um, Jurassic park, the lost world. That's pretty similar. And I kind of confused the two, but I'm I'm overall, I'm a pretty forgiving guy when it comes to uh, CGI. So 
I didn't really mind that scene. The scene that I, the one scene of this movie that I don't like is when they get back to New York and uh, King Kong breaks loose and all the police and everybody's chasing him down and stuff. And uh, him and Naomi Watts's character decide to take a break in, I believe, Central Park, but it might have been somewhere else. And they decide to go ice skating in Central Park. <laughs> And have a bit of a heartfelt moment. That's the only scene of the movie where I'm like, really? And and it's kind of the it's a long film. So at that point of the movie, you're kind of ready to see where it's going and stuff. And that's the one spot where it's like, ah, maybe they could have cut that out. That's just my personal taste, though. Um, but I will say, um, besides all the cool adventure stuff I loved on the island, especially with like the giant slugs and bats. And there's just a lot of cool stuff with that. The scene at the end where it's uh, King Kong on top of um, I can't remember if it was the Empire States building or if it was a different building in that movie. But when he's on top of the building and he's fighting the uh, airplanes coming in and shooting at him and stuff, the way that scene is shot is, in my opinion, just so suspenseful because King Kong's like jumping, you know, 30 feet in the air and swinging at these uh at these planes coming by and he looks like he's going to fall thousands of feet any second. And the cinematography is so well done, but I remember seeing that uh, on a big screen in the theater at the time. And that just, that scene just felt so suspenseful. Like I was just so on the edge of my seat. Um, and just overall, I just think this was a really good version of that story. So I've kind of gone on and on at this point. I don't know if you have any thoughts or if you want to <laughs> move well, to your next pick. The big thing with this, with this movie is that this is King Kong as in classic King Kong. So it's not that this isn't like Kong skull Island where they went and they found the big monkey and they had, you know, all the other creatures and then they leave the Island. This is like, Mm -hmm. they go to the Island. Um, it's the classic story, almost like they remade the original film. You have to sacrifice the, the natives on the Island sacrifice the, the girl and you know, that kind of thing. And, um, it's it's the classic King Kong story that they get back to the city and then he climbs the tower and fights the airplanes. Ultimately, King Kong, and I think a lot of people forget that King Kong is a love story where the ape yep. falls in love with the girl. And this is one that really played off of that um, uh, that story uh, very heavily um, and created a legitimate relationship between the two. Um so, yes, and the only other thing I and I love that the big bugs. Oh my god, I love that scene where they fall into yeah. that scene and those guys get like eaten <laughs> alive by the bugs. I mean, those bugs looked um, like in terms of CG and practical effects and special effects and stuff, they looked so so good. Um, yeah. The thing that I wanted to the reason I'm not forgiving with that one brontosaurus scene that I talked about is because <laughs> Yeah. All the other effects in the movie looked so good. That was the one that didn't. And I'm like, you guys got everything looking like perfect except for that one sequence. Uh, so to, to be fair, it's it's been a minute since I've watched this movie. So maybe I'll I'll keep that in mind when I finally watch it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't I, I'm not I mean, I'm not going to give you any flack for not liking that scene. I just don't remember the CGI as well as you do, I guess. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, uh, my next one, my next pick for the night is 40 year old virgin. Um. Nice. This made this definitely made my short list. This almost I was I was really teetering with this one a little bit, but this is uh, this movie gets funnier and funnier and funnier. 
it. Um, I love like there's so many fun bits like the scene in the bookstore. He tries to hit on the girl in the bookstore is hilarious. And I love um, I love when the, Seth Rogen, I don't remember the. I have to I'd have to look up the, the actor's name. But Seth Rogen's like, no, you got to be this guy from the movie Jade. And Steve Carell's like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so this and then like the scene. um and then the scene where they teach him about his peripheral vision and he's like, no, 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 look around. And he's like, don't look like use your eyes. You got to lose the all of your eyes. And he's like, whoa, I see him like he's never used his peripheral vision before. Um, and then the chest, the chest waxing scene. And then just there's all these great moments in the film that are just um, it's such a great movie all in all. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to it. It's just a, I just really like this movie and it gets better every time I see it. So. Yeah, so, uh, well, this is another movie that I thought looked really stupid, and I was kind of dragged to go see it, I think by the same group of friends as uh, Wedding Crashers, and I ended up just loving it. I was like, this movie is hilarious. It's great. Uh, Like I said, it made my short list. Um, I think Wedding Crashers for me as a movie, uh, just from like a story and writing standpoint and stuff, I think I like better, but 40-Year-Old Virgin I might think is funnier. I think there's a lot of... uh, a lot of moments and uh, lines in the movie and stuff. It's a very quotable movie. Like there's a lot of parts that I'll still joke about and uh, think about and stuff. A lot of which I can't really repeat on the, on the podcast cause it's inappropriate, but uh, definitely just a really funny movie. Yeah. Um, and it's just, any it's just line a great time would, overall. Any line that I'd want to like mention, I can't because it's too inappropriate. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and the only reason for those people listening why we don't why we're skipping over the inappropriate stuff is because I'd have to mark things as explicit and I don't really want to do that because that's just more hoops to jump through posting the episode. Um, all right. So what's your next pick of the night? Yeah. So uh, my number four pick is Sin City. Uh, this right, movie so, we've talked. Oh, keep going. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say that this is going to throw back to my number three pick and Sin City would be that. So in a weird way, we kind of matched. So um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I love okay. this movie is just we've talked extensively on the podcast about this movie, but I love how much of a how well this movie goes when compared to the comic book and how it really feels like the comic book on screen. Um, I was going to say in a lot of places, but almost throughout the whole movie. Um, I love that uh, this movie is very experimental, not just with the weird sort of black and white um, with splashes of color uh, vibe that it has going on, but also the sort of multiple directors. Cause off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember this movie was directed by Robert Rodriguez, correct? But yes, it Quentin was. Tarantino directed one of the stories. And I want to say Frank, Frank Miller directed a scene as well or Frank something Miller, like that. He, Frank Miller directed like one scene from what I understand. So. Yeah, but it was still even with that approach, which obviously like Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez had kind of worked in similar ways before, but I just appreciate that sort of experimentation, not just in the obvious sort of striking visual um, language of the film, but also just in the fact that it was kind of like, you know, I'm making this movie, but I'm going to let you do, uh, you know, a huge chunk of it and stuff. And I just, it's I mean, where do we go from here? Like we've talked about this movie a ton. I don't know if you have anything specific to say on, about it, but uh, basically I can just leave it at like 
this was a really cool movie. I remember seeing it. Um, I felt like I was, it was the perfect stage in my life to see it. And I just loved it from both the cool, like gritty dark story, as well as the visuals and experimentation. I just found very inspiring as well. So, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on Sin City? Well, we've talked extensively about this, the faithful adaptation. It goes without saying this really is a incredible faithful adaptation of the comic uh, page to screen. Um, almost like spot on perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I want to talk, like, yes, you brought up the experimentation because it, it, this was an experiment to do it. If you look at how the movie was made, it is nothing but green screen craziness. Um, but the, uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up is the fact that when this movie came out, um, couple, two movies this year, two movies that came out in 2005 came up in heavy, heavy, heavy conversation uh, at like my workplace and, you know, in circles that I traveled in at that time. Um, and there was always like one person in every group that I was in that was like, you know, you guys are dumb, this movie, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to be that cool of a thing. And then like, <laughs> and I was always like, if you don't see this movie this weekend, you will have nothing to talk about come Monday morning. And these people would always be like, yeah, whatever. And then Monday morning comes around. Like if I hear one more person talk about this movie, like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you not go see it this weekend? Like I told you to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so it was that kind of thing. It was that mentality where it was like you left the theater and you're like, wow, if you haven't seen it, um, I guess we can't talk. You know what I mean? So um, and that's really where it became with me. Like, I couldn't talk to you if you didn't see the movie kind of situation. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, no, we've talked heavily about Sin City. It's awesome. Um But, yeah, Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino and Frank Miller, the creator slash writer, um, of the comic uh, directed at least a scene. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually have um, one of the, I have the Jessica Alba cover of the film for when I bought the, when I bought my copy of it. And then I also have Jessica Alba's um, the action figure uh, from the movie, her Nancy. Um, but it's the black and white version, which is apparently like ridiculously rare. Um, so that's awesome. Um, but that that I that I had to really track down. But yeah, that's that's really cool. But it also has nothing on uh, the honey action figure that Scott has. Yeah, because <laughs> that that's, one's that one's really rare, rare as well. I think he actually made it himself. That's a, that's <laughs> which a adds really to the point. rarity. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not not worth as much, though. Um, so I guess I could move into my next my number three, unless you had more to yeah, say on no, Sin City at all. Well, we'll make this jump back. But no, the thing is, the fact that you're talking Sin City would jump back to me. I talk a little Sin City. Yeah, I'd go back to you for your number three. So. so my number three pick, I think I've talked about this movie on the show, but it's been a while. And that is Lords of Dogtown. Um, I was expecting this when I when I realized this was a 2005 movie. I was expecting yeah. this to be your number one for the night. But well, this was a movie that so I grew up being really into, um, you know, skateboarding and extreme sports and the X Games and all that. And uh, this movie was up my alley right away because it tells the story of a very specific part of skateboarding history. But it's about a group of skateboarders that really propelled the sport forward. And 
it was one of those things where I was in from the get go, like I was going to love this movie. But the movie's also kind of a period piece where it takes place, I believe, in the 70s and kind of moves forward through the decades from there. But it has this really sort of um, cool, like old school, gritty rock and roll sort of vibe to it that I just really like as well. And I feel like it's one of those movies that. Yeah, if you're not into the history of skateboarding, like you're probably going to still really enjoy the sort of uh, period piece aspect of it. And it's a really just kind of uh, cool, rebellious story about a group of friends and how they come of age uh, as they deal with like the fame of being professional skateboarders, as well as the sort of, uh, I guess, trials and tribulations of the time that they're in. There's a lot of. I don't know. I remember seeing this movie with <laughs> with a friend and afterwards him saying that movie was great. Everybody was on drugs, though. Did you realize that everybody in the whole movie was on drugs? And I was like, yeah, that's actually really that's a really funny point. But it kind of shows like sort of the dark places and undertones of this movie that there is some really adult subject matter in there as well. And it's just overall, I just think it's a good coming of age story um, that I think is kind of. I do think it's a movie that anybody will enjoy, um, even if on paper the subject matter doesn't appeal to you. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Lords of the Dogtown, Drew? Um, I honestly have actually never seen this movie. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, it was one that I always meant to check out, and I remember you recommending it to me, and I'm like, yeah, I need to see. I need to check that out, and I just never got a chance to watch it. So so here's what I'll say about this movie. Um well, so the the cast is pretty good. Um, this is one of the first movies I've seen Emil Hirsch in, and he, his char- his portrayal of his character is really good. But this is also the first movie that I took Heath Ledger seriously in. And this movie came oh, out really? before. Yeah, this movie came out before The Dark Knight. But Heath Ledger is in this movie, and he does such a good job uh, with his character. And his character is kind of... Um, he kind of he's this like older kind of like hippie sort of guy who runs a, a surf shop. And he's kind of the the guy who starts mass producing the skateboards that uh, everybody's using in the movie. And he just has like a really he just played a character that I hadn't seen him before, because before this movie came out, I knew him from stuff from like 10 things I hate about you and stuff. But this was a movie where I was like oh, no, he's a really good actor. And this is a character that's completely different than anything I've ever seen. Um, And that's kind of once I heard he was being cast as the Joker, I'm like, well, that's going to be awesome because he was awesome in (laughs) Lords of Dogtown sort of thing. So, um, yeah, Uh, that's funny that you're bearing on the Joker being good or bad is all predicated on the Lords of Dogtown. (laughs) Um, But that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just he did it. He was he did a really good job in that movie. So I just. I had faith in the Joker casting ever since hearing that. So, uh, but yeah, uh, since you haven't seen this, I guess you don't have too much to say. Uh, Uh, what's your next pick? (laughs) Uh, So my next pick, um, this is one that we've talked ad nauseum about. So, um, I'm not going to say too much about it, but that would be Batman begins. Um, we actually matched for our number two. Um, everyone knows that I'm a diehard Batman fan. If you're listening to this show, I am. Um, And it uh, this is the most realistic take you'll ever get on Batman. 
Um, but I walked into this movie. I remember going into this movie unsure how to feel about it because it came at a time that we were all unsure how to feel about Batman because we were still kind of coming off the heels of Batman and Robin. Um, and it, it was just kind of like, how do we react to this? How do I deal with it? And, um, so going into Batman Begins, it was very foreign territory. And then you're just like, wow, this is a really earnest take on Batman. They're doing everything super real. They're doing everything. Um, they're explaining everything to you. You're not going to like, you can't walk out of that movie going, oh, I don't know how that worked. Um, and it was one of those movies that when I ended, I was like, it was really good. And I didn't know how to feel about it because of how realistic it was and how earnest it was. And then a couple of years later, you would see The Dark Knight and you go, oh, this is what happens when you do the world building first. And it gave me a whole new appreciation for how you world build a comic book movie. Um, and uh, to that, it's and it, and it and it becomes such a great movie because of that aspect, because of the world building that it tackled. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Blow it up if you want. Yeah, it's hard to know where to go with this one. Uh, you've said a lot, um, but I just think it is true that it's a really good sort of realistic version of Batman that we never had before. And it's kind of one of those things where you watch the movie and everything makes sense. And uh, the fact that he, you know, he learned martial arts and um, just how he dealt with uh, the death of his parents and uh, just everything just had this real like it was it had a real world feel and like, yes, there was aspects of it that um, I guess are kind of over the top. But at the same time, everything could actually happen. Um, but then when he finally when uh, you finally see Batman on screen, just like Christian Bale, especially at the time, I know he gets flack because of uh, his voice in the uh, Christopher Nolan movies. But when you first heard that Batman voice of Christian Bale's, it was scary and it was really intimidating. And uh, there's just moments of this movie where you just see, um, I don't know. I just think his presence was very uh, intimidating and scary and was kind of just a really good, you know, we never really got Batman that scary before. And uh, I just think, it was just really well done. And I, I do like the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises version of the Batman suit. But the Batman Begins version of that suit, I still feel like when you see it on camera, it still has it feels a little bit more intimidating. And I don't know if it's just because Christian Bale was a little bit bulkier in that movie or what it is. But that suit just looks so badass and intimidating and um you know going into the movie i was a little bit i remember before seeing it i was a little bit skeptical of the scarecrow being the first like main villain but that was pulled off really well and it led to some really really awesome parts like especially when uh when batman actually gets uh you know sprays uh the scarecrow with the you know his fear serum like that was just an awesome awesome scene and just just overall the movie was really well done so it's kind of i i know we've talked a little bit about this movie specifically on the podcast before but it's just really good i don't know like i don't know anybody who doesn't like this movie so but at the same time i don't know what else to say about it you know it's just really good <laughs> right yeah 
All right, well, moving on. Since we matched, I guess that throws into my last one. And since you haven't brought it up, I assume that's this we matched again. Um, so for me, unless you tell me otherwise, uh, for me, the my final pick of the night is uh, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Yep, we we matched for um, this as well. When it comes down to it, look, I am a diehard, lifelong Star Wars fan. Always will be. Um, so to have this not make my top five, uh, with you guys, anyone listening to the show is probably like, of course it made your top five. Of course it's his number one. But when you look at all the other movies of the year, this is the one I was the most, the most excited about for the entire year. It was the one that I saw multiple times in the theater. I went and saw the, uh, um, I went and saw the uh, midnight showing of it, and I remember getting there like, oh, it's midnight. And this is back when you actually couldn't buy seats. You couldn't buy pre-sold tickets. Like, you couldn't buy your seat and then show up 10 minutes before the movie starts and have your assigned seat. This was when you actually had to wait in line to get a good seat. Yep. This movie came out, and I remember people I was with were like – they were like, really? We're going to the movie theater at 9 o'clock for a midnight movie? And I'm like <laughs> – Yes, we are. And within 10 minutes of us getting there and getting in line, so we were like maybe third or fourth in line. Within 10 minutes, the line went out the door and around the building. Um, and it was the holy cow. See, that's why you get here three hours in advance for a midnight showing of a film. Um, and it's it was everything we wanted it to be. It was a story we've been waiting to be told and see come to fruition, uh, not because we've been living through the prequels, but because in Star Wars lore, everyone always heard of that mythic story about how Obi-Wan beat Anakin in the battle on the volcano planet. And that's how he became Darth Vader or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. it's just that's something we've always known. Um, and like for some reason, I don't know where the fans heard that story, but that's basically how it all, you know, came to be. Like we all just knew that story for some reason. So it became the how did this happen? And we had to know. So, um, yeah, it's it's crazy. Since you brought that up, I remember back in the day, um, I remember going on back when uh, at home for the Internet, we had America online. So this is this is like late 90s, America but it was. Online. Yep. And this this was after I remember after seeing um, Star I, Wars. Episode. I'm just laughing because you said America online and I'm like, AOL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so after seeing episode one, when that came out, I remember going online and uh, reading different theories about what was going to happen in the next movies. And I remember as a kid, like reading about that whole like you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan are going to fight on this like crazy lava planet. And like, it's the same thing. Like I was thinking back to it just now as you were talking about it. And I was like, whoever wrote this like description that I read online as a kid, I don't know how that person knew. Like, I don't know how we all knew that story, but it is, it was such an epic story and it's a story that we wanted to see for a long time. And uh, I'll say revenge on of the Sith Compared to other movies on my list, I don't think this is a perfect movie. Like, I think Batman Begins, Lord of the Dogtown, I mean, Wedding Crashers in ways. Like, I think those are, like, close to perfect movies. Revenge of the Sith has some parts that I think are a little clunky. But with that being said, I still think this is my favorite movie on my list. And it's one of those, 
I keep going back to it and watching it over and over again. And it's a Star Wars movie, so you know there's going to be new things that you notice every time. Um, and there's things in the bath background and stuff. But this is a movie that stuck with me for years. And uh, when you go into how the movie ends and the mysteries behind how did uh, how did Padme actually die? Um, and I really subscribe to the fact that it wasn't a broken heart at all. And I think that's pretty apparent when you look at how uh, Palpatine talks to Anakin at the end of the film. Um, and there's a lot of really, really interesting theories um, into that whole aspect of the movie. And I think this movie, from a lore standpoint, uh, within the canon of Star Wars, this movie holds so much weight and it reveals so much when you start to read between the lines and see what the movie's really about. But I think just overall, this is in a lot of ways for me, the most memorable movie of the year. And it's, I almost feel like it's once a week, I think of a different aspect of this movie because, you know, me and my friends still talk about, um, order 66 and we still make jokes about the tragedy of Darth Plagueis, the wise, and there's just a lot to this movie. And I think because the prequels are divisive, I think sometimes it doesn't get as much credit as it deserves, but it's just a great film overall. And there's just so much in it. And um, yeah, I don't know what more to say. I don't know, Drew, what, <laughs> what are you thinking at this point? <laughs> I don't know what more to say about it either because it's Star Wars and we're going to be talking Star Wars for years to come as we dissect stuff like the Bad Batch is like forthcoming and that picks up on the heels of this movie. And then yeah. you have, you know, more Mandalorian coming and you have the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which takes place right after this movie as well. And it's going to be cover story threads. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we're well, talking about this at nauseum. I, so. I can say something about, though, with Revenge of the Sith, especially knowing um all the different theories and all the different things that uh, kind of go into this movie, especially with how it ends. When I talk about Revenge of the Sith and like I really talk about it, I get a bit of a chill going down my spine. And uh, I guess that's like right now I was getting a chill down my spine just thinking about um, the implications of the end of this film. And uh, I mean, say what you want about the prequels and you can point out this movie's flaws, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff there if you really want to take the time to look into it. So I guess I could leave my review at that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, that uh, kind of brings us to the end of the list. Um, are you ready to find out what we're doing uh, next week? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so next week we are going to be doing uh, this is kind of a goofy one. This this kind of like so I'm going to throw a really weird one your way. You ready? Yes. So I was thinking about the movie Groundhog Day and I was thinking about time loops and since we kind of just lived through Groundhog Day and we've been in the perpetual time loop for shoveling snow every 10 minutes because that's what happens now. Um, what if you were stuck in a time loop? OK, what are the five movie days that you would like to be eternally stuck in? OK, <laughs> so, for example, like Groundhog Day, he was stuck in that one day. Um, happy death day. She was stuck in that one day. So what are the five movie days that you would like to eternally be stuck in if you were stuck in a time loop? So this is a day within like the plot of a movie that we yeah. want to so be you'd, in. So you'd pick a movie like, um, 
you pick a movie like, I don't know, like Lords of Dogtown that that day specifically that they the, the main day that they focus on or whatever the case may be, that movie you'd want to live in over and over and over and over and over again. Um, OK, like like Titan- a first Titanic is probably not a good example, um, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on which part you pick. That's a, that's a good that's a good that's a good point. But you see what I'm um, saying? Like, um, yeah. At first, I didn't know if it was like on this day I went to see the Avengers and it was opening day and I just would want to relive that day of my real life. But you mean an actual day within a movie, like which one would you want to do? If I was trapped in a movie and I was to relive the same day because I was stuck in a time loop, what movie, what were the, what are the five movies um, that I would pick and why? So, yeah, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a really that's this is going to take a lot of thought. It's definitely a really in, interesting premise for a list, though. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's, this one should a, be interesting. It's a weird one, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to throw you a weird one. Yeah, so. it's going to be a lot of um, I don't know. There's a lot of movies where uh, as the plot goes, stuff starts going really good for the main character before it <laughs> starts going really bad. So it's going to be a lot of those like. Oh, you know, I'd like to be this character when he first won the lottery, <laughs> you know, before his life went to crap, but he had everything he wanted, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, really interesting uh, list. And I have no idea where I'm going to go with that one. But yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Very cool. Well, um, that being said, do us all a favor, everyone. Check out our website, top five report. Com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show either way, hitting us up on the social media or the emails. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. And if you do, um, you'll not miss a single episode. Uh, you can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I check the list. Rubber tubing, gas, saw, gloves, razor wire, hatchet, Gladys, and my mitts. Awesome. <laughs> and my mitts. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.